Upsflyer presents Winning in the Nordics with Anneli Nash. Welcome to Winning in the Nordics. I'm your host, Anneli Nash, and I'll meet some of the most interesting marketers, investors, and app developers across the region to learn from their success stories. I'm the founder of AIM4, your partner for digital marketing and growth, and this podcast is a collaboration with Appsflyer. Appsflyer provides mobile marketers with the technology they need to grow their apps and create exceptional user experiences. All right, so I'm here with Ang Witten, is that correct? Uh, okay. <laughs> He's the uh, VP of Performance Marketing at Volt. Uh, as a growth marketing leader, Ang has experience from digital media planning, media buying and marketing technology. Ang has experience uh, building and scaling marketing operations across different industries, starting from gaming to delivery apps uh, from companies such as Food Panda, Rovio, Wargaming and Volt. Currently, he's leading the global growth marketing operations of Volt across 23 countries and managing marketing teams with multi-million dollar monthly budgets. Wow, that's impressive. And for those who haven't heard, I'm going to just give you a short brief about what Walt is. Um, Walt is an app that is mostly known for their food delivery platform. But by expanding their platform, they are now offering the same delivery experience from grocery stores, retail shop, boutiques, and a lot more. They launched in the summer of 2015 in Helsinki, Finland, together with 10 restaurants. And since then, they have expanded to 23 countries and more than 250 cities, serving millions of customers. And uh, I mean, you are the head of growth, Ang. I'm so happy to have you here. Nice to meet you and happy to be here too. So today we're actually going to kind of go back in time a bit because we decided to start from the beginning, from when you first joined Walt and kind of setting up the right foundation. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How was your first week or weeks at Walt? <laughs> well, I joined the company in uh, January 2019, uh, back then when Volt started to expand into a lot more countries. So joining in the moment where returning from a very small startup to become like, a global scale-up company, um, building up the performance marketing team from scratch. Uh, so the first week when I joined, uh, it was just me, one data engineer and one campaign manager. So it's a very, very small teams and probably I can relate it to a lot of the other small startup yeah. and other startup company that's sharing the, the experience along the way. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the foundation. You were just a few people. Wh- where did you start? Like, how, how did you know where to begin? So, well, the, it's not like we haven't run any campaigns. We have a country marketing managers who have been doing an amazing job on running different kind of online campaigns, offline campaign partnership and activities. My job is to try to centralize in every online activities, both from acquisition to engagement back to the headquarter, which is where I'm, our team is sitting. And we chose, um, so there's campaign that are already running in 10, more than 10 countries, mm-hmm. mostly on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I chose uh, I chose to not like taking over one of the kind of campaign management from day one, meaning that I'm not saying come in and say that okay, let's try to scale up like two or three times. The next day, take a step back, we try to build up the right foundations. And I think the right foundation is when it comes to the tech, the attributions, the reporting, defining the KPI. Because before that we didn't have like a single place where we can see how good look like, what is great look like for performance marketing. And with a data engineer, we spent first one or two months uh, trying to rebuilding the whole tech stack. Uh, we already uh, we started to work with Upflyer. Before that, we worked with another MMPs. 
rebuilding the whole, uh, whole tech to focus on the attribution side, defining what is the main KPI that we want to focus on, and then building the all of the reporting granular data for both web and mobile surrounding by that sort of KPIs, which is the new user that we are talking about. And after two months, when we see that, okay, the work is now seems to be in place, and that's pretty much what I think it would be the right foundation for us to get started. We get we start to scale up and building up the the campaign management part and rebuilding it in all of the new like expanding new channel, expanding campaign in the current channel, and and that started to scale by then. But that has been the that has been the first step that I that I have taken, and not to try to spend the money right away. Yeah, when I joined, but rather trying to take a step back, building the foundation, building the tech, the measurement then you start to scale. Yeah. I mean, uh, looking at the results you have come to now, it seems really like the right decision. But joining then when you're like very few people, you're still like early in your um, journey, there is a lot of stress. Like how do you convince the rest of the team that you need to take two months, which in startup world is like four years to actually just set up the foundation uh, right? Like what was your argumentation? I think the it's simple. Like no, coming from a place where you're spending a million a month mm. or more, uh, like multi-million dollar a month media spend, the painful mistake that I have learned is that if you don't have the right kind of data that you're looking into, you don't know what it would look like, mm-hmm. and you end up spending like missing out the opportunity. You end up spending the wrong money in the wrong campaign, wrong channel. That's going to be even worse. Yeah. So the first kind of measurement when I asked about how good the campaign is, people were showing me uh, a reporting a report coming from a Facebook dashboard or some channel dashboard, and what the, the network pro- provided to you. And I say no, like I don't want to look at that. I want to look at the place where I see this is a single measurement that I want to look into. Mm. Then everybody can trust that there's no duplications, there's no misattributions. There's a single place where not just me, the management, but also our campaign team can take a look and make sure that they don't have to spend time, let's say, crunching the number every day, because that's when I started my career. I like tried to consolidate all of the number, like it's taking almost half a day from different dashboards into a single Excel. Then you start to see, okay, campaign A performing better than campaign B from channel A to channel C. Those kind of like very painful uh, workload is not something that I want my team to go through. And in order for you to building a lean team where you don't want their, ta- their time to spending on those kind of activities, the only way to make it work is try to building a really good foundation on the tech setup. Yeah. And we don't have to look back now because now when the team is growing much bigger, when the team, even back then and now, it's um, the, the difference that you can make with having the right attribution, right tech is immersive. You don't even have to to worry every single day that, okay, do I look at the right number? Yeah. You don't have to question the number twice, considering the amount of spend that you have to yeah. Uh, on the on the daily basis i like that uh, and i think for all our listeners we now know you know the results of actually doing this so i think that is uh, maybe we should just say uh, listen to this episode if you are uh, doubting my uh, wish to make the data clear from the beginning yeah. so you mentioned if i followed you right you mentioned that you were tracking new users what other kpis and uh, measures were important in the beginning and like how have that changed over time so the new user is still sort of not star metrics for us. Um, so it hasn't changed. Of course, it changed now when we also want to look at for the returning user. But back then, it was a new user. And I guess that's the same story for a lot of different startups. You want to look at how many new users you bring in, how, what is the cost per first-time user. So that's sort of the first two important metrics. 
But on the campaign management side, there's also a lot more that you want your team to look into. The funnel from the time that people click on the app, ending up in the stores, download the app, making the uh, register and sign up themselves, and making your first order. When you start to comparing, that's sort of the long funnel. Mm. That's sort of the metric that I'm defining for the team, like what goods look like. I look at all of the data that we have for, back then it was 10 to 12 countries, and then say, okay, look, this is what we're going to consolidate into the central team from now. And you can see that this is what the good funnel looks like. How many from 100 users who download, how many of them who become sign-up user? Mm. From 100 users who download, how many of them who become a first-time user? What is the good cost per first-time user? So by defining that sort of metrics and defining what could look like, you set up the sort of a, a, a playground for the campaign team to be able to start execute. So you don't have to wonder if it's 10, 10 euro of cost per first time user is good. In country A, it's better than 50 euro in country B yeah. or 5 euro in country C. Um, as long as you set that sort of the, the, the KPI that can be universally used across all of the country and channel, that would save a lot of like back and forth discussions that we have. So to summarize, first time user, cost per first time user, and then of course the most important one for the campaign team, looking at the funnel from the click to the first purchase. I mean, I really like that. It also says something that you can be this clear explaining it here on the podcast. I can just imagine how it is like joining in on your team and actually getting an introduction. Everything will be like, okay, this is the goal. This is what I'm going to do. And I have all the data to do it. So we are going to talk a bit about building a team today. And now we have talked a bit about the fact that you need to have the like right measurement in place, uh, what KPIs to track and how we can uh, do that cross markets. Is there anything else that needs to be in place before you start hiring? Well, I think the um, you the first one of the first things that you also want to do, not just by you as a team lead. And I mean, back then I do half of my time is actually running the campaign. Like you don't have the luxury of coming in from the day one and demanding, okay, I want to hire 10 people. Like even if your C-level allow that, everyone knows that it would take you months until you'll be able to hire that much. Yeah. So being like you come in and first thing that you want to expect is that, okay, I'm going to do majority of my work will be doing hands-on kind of support, like the same thing that I do with everyone else. Yeah. So that's one of the first things that, that, I, that I realized. So the tech setup, uh, setting up the right foundations, setting up the right kind of KPI uh, metrics. And then um, the other part is setting up the, the clear process because I have a limited resources, just me, one data engineer and one campaign person. And I have to I have to tell people that, okay, you know what? In one or two months, I'm going to take over all of the campaigns <laughs> from back then 10 to 12 countries. Yeah. And people would look at you and say, okay, are you sure that you can do it? In every single country, we have one person to do both Facebook campaign, like just running Facebook. Are you sure you can do it? And back then when I was in the, on the gaming side, I can. Yeah. Uh, you build the right process, you can. So think about what, how do you, uh, what kind of forum you should talk to each uh, kind of internal and external stakeholder. Like during that sort of process, how frequently you should have a sync. Back then it was like twice a week mm-hmm. because you need to be able to build trust. Um, so having a twice a week kind of catch up with the team, you also want to understand what's going on in there. Uh, having like sort of a, doing a full audit on what is the current state of campaign and um, that happening. So not saying that, okay, this is right, this is wrong, but rather take a step back, doing your own audit, and then see like, okay, based on all of the campaign that's currently running, what have been the universal setup, what have worked. So you also want to come in with a, a complete kind of fresh mind that you want to learn. You don't want to start coming in and say, this is how I used to do in my previous company, Yeah. period. But you want to just come and see that, okay, what have worked, 
take that learning, building up around what you think your sort of operation and process should be. And then from there, you start to building up, like making a proposed plan. Mm. Or this is the structure that I would propose we would do, let's say for channel A and channel B, based on the learning that I, uh, that I gather, based on the experience that I have, presenting it clearly for every internal stakeholder and then make sure that everybody understands this is the way that we want. We have a clear plan. Yeah. So not just a random guy coming in and say, okay, trust me, give me your money and I make it work for you. You still have to build that sort of trust. Yeah, but I may actually follow you correctly. You individually yourself ran all these campaigns and actually had that uh, like very data-driven way of sharing the knowledge and what is working. So you did that as one person in the beginning. Yeah, well, me and one more campaign manager. Of course, I'm not having a luxury to say that, okay, that first person would take care of all of those because that would be too much for her. Yeah. Uh, so that would just mean that me and her would just be buying the, the work. I'd take five, she'd take five. And then, of course, that's sort of us why we continue to hiring the next person. Yeah. Um, but it's like my original plan was just if I would be lucky every two or three months, I managed to hire one person. Mm. So by that sort of speed during the first year, I may have three additional members. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened during the first year. Oh, so I like that. if you come in and you, you're making up like a very nice looking slide and plan and saying to your management that, you know what, this team is going to be 10 to 20 people by the first year, you was probably spending more than half of your time doing the hiring. Yeah. And that doesn't really move any anything. No. So I take a. I'd rather try to build the foundation. I'd rather try to spend time with the team doing campaign by myself and being a pretty much like a, a plus one kind of campaign management uh, kind of person. And that's sort of I think in the modern world as a team lead, that's sort of the attitude that you have to get yourself ready when you're joining a startup. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's very lead by example. So if we, if we move uh, forward a few years to present time, what does the team structure look like today? Uh, well, the team is now much different from where I started. So it's a bit more than three years past and the team has grown so much. So it's not, uh, when I started, uh, we wanted to build the media buying team. Mm-hmm. So the one that can run a user acquisition campaign focus. Um, but then over time, the team is just taking more and more responsibility. We're taking uh, the measurement that we build. It's not just uh, for our own team, but we also try to build the measurement for the whole marketing function. Building a, So on the tech, we already have like people who dedicated on the tech setup as a marketing tech. Uh, we have uh, the team that focus on the online media buying for the consumer side. So that's the, the second team. Then we have the team that focus on the, on the engagement for the consumer. So the CRM email marketing team. Then we also have people who running campaign on the career marketing. So acquiring new career on the supply side. Mm. Um, and then people who then only until last year, I started to invest more into SEO, search engine optimizations. Um, that has always been a long debate at myself on whether is it too late to invest it in SEO. And I, I admit it maybe sound too late, but uh when I when you join the team with the limited resources, then you have to pick your battle. Yeah, you have to be able to to pick like what is the first hire that you want to have in order to make the main difference between the first few months. Yeah, and SEO is a long term. Yeah, game. So that's why we only have the luxury to building up the SEO function only last year when we already have everything else built up nicely. And in all these teams now, how many people are you, and how is that split up with, between these different teams? So the total team is now between 30 and 35. Um, I guess uh, needless to say that probably putting us to be one of the 
biggest in-house uh, performance marketing team within the Nordic regions. Probably, yes. <laughs> um, so the team is very data-driven. And I think we have with the campaign management team for the online media buying and also for the CRM, SEO, probably 30 to 35. We have an embedded team for marketing tech from our product. So around almost 10, additional 10 people. And then we have a, a lot of the support from our brand team to producing all of the online uh, video and image for us so that's another five to ten so that's sort of the the kind of like the setup that we have at the moment like a lot of those kind of support function which is mainly supporting us on the tech the design so our media team can actually continue to improving the efficiency yeah and and then can we walk through that journey a bit i mean uh, when you started it was like you were three people and now you're well, 35 plus uh, 10 plus 5 plus, you know, is that, so how was that journey? Like, how did you build up? Where, what were your first hires and why and, and so forth? So, well, my first hire, and I still think is probably one of the most important, is the data uh, data engineer. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of the, uh, and you, uh, and this is probably something that I learned uh, the hard way because it's having that sort of a right person from the very beginning. I have a luxury of working with one of the best engineers um, or data analyst and data engineer in Finland. And I'm still very honored to work with him. And he helped us to build a lot of things. Everything that I drop out on a very simple paper, uh, paper note, he made that happen within two months. Uh, of course, we spent a lot of time working together. Then after you're building the, um, after foundation, then having uh, someone to be your sort of a executioner kind of person, so campaign managers. Um, and back then when we hire hers, um, it's very difficult because I didn't want to build a team based on the channel-based structure. My vision is to see bringing sort of a learning that I get from the gaming side um, to delivery service. I have to build like our competitors is probably going to be a channel-based team. So a team for Facebook, a team for Google, team for search, team for display, team for programmatic, and, and a lot more. So the, you keep adding up. And if you, I have to think about that sort of structure. Um, you probably need to hire three to five people to get everything up and running. And I say, okay, no, I don't want to have that structure. I want to building up a team where my team member would be a generalist so they can run multiple channels in multiple countries. And it's required to have finding someone who are super motivated and very, very data-driven and have been doing, like wearing a multiple hat in previous company. So meaning I'm doing a multiple kind of work and they have been working very close with product team. I have a strong respect for people who work very close with product because you need to be able to be a marketeer that you understand what is the product metrics. And I'm very lucky to finding the first campaign managers so that sort of profile. You work with when you work with her, you of course train, nurturing, and giving a lot of responsibility for that person. But later on, that person would be able to take over a lot more responsibility. And for you to free up your time, that you start looking for the second hire. Uh, and then the second hire from the campaign team was another campaign managers. But then uh, we already, I already have in mind that I need to have a creative coordinator. So someone to be able to help me to work with the designer, either internally or externally, to be able to get me enough content for image and video. And that's sort of, with that in mind, um, that's the second hire. And then, of course, later on, it's going into, okay, now I need someone to be able to help me to wearing a, another hat doing the campaign, of course, but wearing another hat on the text, uh, technical part so I can also free up my time to do the others. And that comes the third hire. 
So that's going on um, every quarter or every, I would say in the first year, every quarter, I managed to hire one person. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a bit longer. And then after the first year, you can already see that, okay, now we, the team is pretty much in place and people are doing a lot more responsibility in between the first year, moving to second year as a second phase. Then I started to think how the team is going to look like in the first two or three years. I know I don't want to change the structure to the channel base. I want to keep the current structure that one person would manage in three to five countries. And again, wearing a multiple hat on having a side project. So either on tech, either on design, either on the other things. So you make the most of the current headcount and resources that you have, but then you make sure that people feel that this is exciting. This is something that they learn every day because even for myself, I'm also learning every day. Uh, if you give them like something like, okay, you are taking care of Facebook and you only come here to done Facebook, I'm pretty sure after six to 12 months, people will get bored. So that's sort of the, the kind of mentality and vision that where I want to build the team and continue to grow and build the team by, by this day. I like that. I really like that. And hiring, you've been into this a bit on, on what you're looking at and, and the fact that you also, I like that you also have uh, this um, understanding <laughs> that it takes time to hire because I've uh, realized the same thing and it feels sometimes that hiring is much harder than you imagine from the beginning, to say the least. At the beginning, when you were just like you and you're running all the campaigns uh, together with one colleague, how do you even uh, have time to hire? Like uh, you had such limited resources, like how did you manage to find these people who had you know some experience especially between like product and performance and so forth i mean you're looking for very specific uh, people and they are also very attractive from they're probably being pulled in all directions how do you do it well i mean um the it's just by allocating the time and and resources i would say the first two or three months uh, majority of my time is just focusing on doing the building the foundation doing the work yeah. on the campaign size. I have very little time to actually think about the, the hirings. I only, after that sort of period, um, when you start to see that, okay, things start to going into a bit more process. And I'm a big person, uh, a very big fan of building up a proper process, even when you are in a smaller team, because it would save you a long way, uh, like a lot in the futures. Um, even something small like naming convention and so on. But for the for the hiring part, after the three first three months, then I have a bit of time when I can delegate a bit more the other work for the rest of the member in the team. Then I will start to um, doing some sort of a scouting and checking on the inbound lead. And you try to it's it's very difficult, right? Because in the beginning, your company is also very small. Because everything is so new. You're looking for someone who are who are very excited for that sort of the unknown. And I'm looking for sort of the people who are very data driven. Someone who are comfortable working with data, someone who are very comfortable of, um, like not shy from wearing multiple hats. Yeah, and this is an exciting opportunity that you're trying to sell to them. Like, look, this is an opportunity. This is not a job. Yeah, you want uh, you want to see yourself in this is a very unique setup that you don't really find it in a lot of the other countries. Not in not even in Nordic, but even in in Europe, where you can run that many kind of channel. You can run in that many countries. You can do that many kind of res- like owning res- many kind of responsibilities for yourself every day. Um, and whoever is the person who are the most excited, whoever the person who have some experience running one or two channels, then after the several interview and doing a notorious case study that I made, then if they pass that sort of phase, then I know that okay, um, this person have the guts uh, to do what it take, and. 
that's sort of the the kind of criteria where I, I see that this is the potential member for the team and what they can grow. And I think for some of the members who joined within the first year um, uh, in 2019, many of them are still here and they, they have been playing a much, much bigger role within the team now when they are expanding. But I would say that the first few hires that you have, uh, that's sort of a very important criteria. You're not looking for someone someone who like, okay, I have years of running Facebook campaigns and I would wow you. Um, if they don't have a data mindset, if they don't feel very comfortable working with data, if they don't feel motivated, if they don't love the product, if they don't feel that, okay, I'm just joining here and they would be wearing that many different hats, then that's not the right profile. No. So that's sort of the, the kind of criteria for me to hiring the first few members yeah. in the team. And, and uh, I mean, you come from gaming before, like um, when it comes to hiring, what is uh, the difference? Do you have kind of the similar uh, criteria or is there anything uh, uh, changing from there? Well, in gaming, um, one of the criteria for you is that you need to love data and love game. Yeah. Uh, then for me, when I'm, uh, when I'm involved, uh, I've moved out the gaming game love sort of criteria, of course, but the data part needs to be sustained. So that's a very uh, similar kind of criteria that we have between gaming and non-gaming. Like you need to be feel comfortable working with data. Like I build a really good tech setup. You come in, you look at the dashboard every day. Uh, you have everything ready for you between even two channel, three channel, ten channel. Everything is in a single dashboard for you. You don't even have to do a round work, but you still need to be able to comfortably working with that sort of huge amount of data and making an optimization on a daily basis. Then the other thing is on gaming size, the structure in gaming is also very interesting. And that's something that I learned is that people join where they also be running multiple channel for one or two games. So the channel structure is, is, is also in game, but it's not that common. So in, and in e-commerce or non-gaming, the channel structure is very common. So that's sort of the learning that I bring in is that people who when whoever I want to hire is feel that, okay, they feel that they want to expand their channel knowledge from just not even, not even search, not even Facebook, but to five to 10 more. And that's sort of the mentality that I want to be able to bring in from the people that I hire when I join Vote, at least. Um, and I think the cases is also very similar. So I normally put people to an assignment and case study where the first part is more sort of a qualitative kind of questions, asking about the sort of the metrics. If you are playing, um, going to our product, uh, if you are a marketeer, what kind of events, what kind of feature from the product that you would start optimizing into. Think about like the shoes of a marketeer in both. Then the data part is a very extensive and normally it's very long. <laughs> and I want to give the people that sort of opportunity is also a good test, right? Because people would... We'll see you want to see if people would get familiar with it yeah. that they, they don't feel like okay i'm not going to i'm going to give up because this data is way too much but then also for the people to also see what sort of data that we have so they get familiar with themselves and normally when they are a good candidate they normally ask the very good questions when they see the data mm. or so that's sort of the way that i normally use to to kind of go into the the interview process with all of the candidates yeah. to try to find the, the right hire. 
I like that. And it also shows, uh, I mean, you're back to this and you talked about that before, that you like to build processes. And of course, this is also uh, a process yeah. uh, to find the right and the, and the best uh, fit. So, you know, if if I'm a, I'm a startup founder and I have global ambitions, can I replicate your model, you think? Or is it uh, uh, certain parts of it that is very vault specific? Well, I would say uh, I would highly advocate for this sort of model. So if you are CEO or CMO, um, you want the, you want to build the next uh, online marketing, performance marketing or growth team, um, I would highly recommend that you start with the vision as a lean team. Yeah. So try, the, and this is exactly the sort of model that I'm, I'm thinking now I call it a hybrid model where sort of taking the best from the gaming side and then also combining with what the non-gaming would be, is that letting the, uh, giving more responsibility and trust for the campaign person that they can manage in a lot more channel rather than trying to build it into the channel specific, especially when you are in the early phase of the startup. Um, and make sure that people can actually wearing that multiple hats. Um, the learning would be a lot more immersive for the team member. And then you are for you as a team lead, you would be able to also help the team to grow and building up the scale. And I think with that sort of structure, you normally don't have to, you also limiting like few disadvantage. Um, because a lot of time the, the people in the team that running pay social would probably questioning whether the guy from search have so much favor when it comes to attribution. Uh, how do we move the budget between channel A to channel B? Why this one had a lot more weighted attribution touch point than the channel that I'm running? And of course, the way that I think about it is that I don't want to get into all of this sort of argument and discussion. I want to build an unifying attribution model at the C level. And then the campaign team, they have a set of budget. They have a set of KPI for that country, that project. Whatever channel that they want to move between A or B is up to them. Yeah. So as long as they hit the target, that's fine. That's sort of the, I think this is the model that could work really well yeah. in a lot of uh, companies. And I think what I'm hearing from what you're saying, because one of the questions is also when you are growing, I mean, there are usually people who fit well in a maybe a smaller company and in an earlier phase versus someone in a bigger company in a later phase. Um, but what I find in what you're saying is by, you know, giving them a lot of responsibility, they will grow by being data driven. You still need that regardless of what phase by having this like, uh, you know, you work on your uh, channels, on your markets and then having these side projects, you kind of uh, let them grow and uh, don't get bored by sitting in Facebook for like a year or two. Is there anything else to your thing? that you want to add on like you know hiring for the future and not just uh, what you need currently um yeah so i mean of course i i know that my long my long-term vision is a lean a lean structure yeah so i know that even if i if the team is going if i have more countries uh, that we are opening up to more country even though the budget going up by this x amount of times i know that i'm not going to be able i don't have to switch the structure to be a, to the channel base because if the moment that I switch to the channel base kind of structure, the team size is probably double or triple. So that's all. of course the team can still continue to grow, but then you can grow the team by having, uh, let's say, reducing the amount of country of one person. Yeah, it's something. So back then when it started, it's like one person take care of five country. Later on, one person take care of two. So you're hiring more people for that matter. You don't have to hiring more people just because they are running Facebook or running Google. Yeah. So that sort of, if you were sure about that sort of vision, then I think you try to avoid like going to in sort of a, a current pain that you are suffering. Like, okay, why am I not scaling fast enough on mm. search? 
why am I not scaling fast enough on this play? You know, what are you trying to focus on is that can you start scaling whatever channel doesn't matter. You still be, need to be there and supporting the team. But whatever channel that can bring the conversion, you focus on that first in the first year or first six months. Yeah. And then after that, then all of the new future hire that you bring in is going to bridge the gap from what the current team doesn't have in terms of the experience on the certain channel. Um, so I would say an example would be the team when I build up at first is actually quite strong on the paid social size. Of course, I'm running uh, Google myself before. I'm running a lot of different channels, so I train the team and supporting them. Um, but then I still want to bring in the people who are actually have uh, a little more experience on display size, a bit more experience on the search, and then bring that sort of person in. Of course, they know that what they're getting into is that they're going to run in all of the channels. But then you know that the moment that they come in, they're going to spread out on the knowledge that they have on the channel that they have been running a lot before. So that's sort of the kind of structure that you together bringing the team kind of understanding on multiple channel experience to the next level. And one of the last things that I, I, I already think uh, and I feel that this is important is that the moment in marketeer need to be a technologist. Um, so what it means is that everybody talking about marketing automations. How many people are actually doing marketing automations? And why I'm saying this is that the future that we're building as the online marketing is that you're not going to building up a huge amount of team where people start to doing a lot more tedious kind of work. So one example would be if you would have to have a team where they're spending 10% of their time on uploading a random video, like uploading video on YouTube because Google is so smart. They're building a such a crazy process. <laughs> You should automate that. Yeah. So building a very strong function on tech where they can help your campaign team to be able to automate a lot of the campaign management, budget allocations. You still need to have the expertise from the campaign team in there, but the team can focus a lot more on the strategic part, on making sure that, okay, the channel make is right, making sure that the span distribution between iOS and Android is right. But the machine can help you to take care of the part where, okay, on Apple search, they can already help you to building uh, to allocating the budget based on the goal that you set out. And that's exactly what we built. Uh, we started to doing it in end of 2020. And we already start to scaling up that sort of marketing tech. So it's going to be, again, a hybrid model where the machine will take part into all the campaign management work. And then it's saving me from being going out there and have to hiring like three times more amount of people in order to meet up the workload that we have. Yeah, uh, but rather like I can hire less but more quality people, but then the sort of the amount of the tedious work or sort of the starts that can be automated by the machine that can be done uh, with the marketing tech system. So that's sort of the way that I think about how the if you have a strong vision about the lean setup, which is the way that I think it is. Yeah, you stick to that. Yeah, and. Don't try to compromise into the current pain. It is uh, different from what many other uh, companies are doing, for sure. But I think you're onto something. Just one thing that I'm also reflecting on uh, listening to this is that you're really growing the team along with the company growth. And, and like, the uh, you know, each time you are joining a new market uh, or two markets or five markets, like the company grows in the same way as the team grows. Uh, versus if you would, as many other people are doing, hire for like Facebook, then the growth of the team wouldn't be really 
uh, aligned with the growth on, on the company. Has that been part of your strategy as well, or is it more like the lean uh, lean team or lean foundation? Well, I mean, uh, like I mentioned, uh, the the lean foundation is it doesn't mean that we we won't hire uh, people. It just means that okay, I want to keep the current structure where one person can take care of all of the channel. Yeah. For one, back then when we started in the first year, it was five countries or six countries. Mm. Uh, which is a lot of work and back then when I every time that I interview someone they also get surprised like okay one person that amount of work yeah but when they join they're actually surprised and that's exactly for the same reason if you already build a good setup on tech and record you come in every day you look at the dashboard is everything is already ready for you yeah if you already know where do you need to optimize it's actually not a lot of work so that's sort of a lean kind of process that you build then when the company grow when the budget is growing Mm-hmm. Then, of course, uh, the communication is also grow because you need to also spend time with the country team, with the partner. That would mean that one person with five to six countries is too much. Then we start to hiring more people. So one person take care of three, one person take care of four, and then one person take care of two countries. Yeah. And who knows in the future is one person take care of one country. But even if we have 23 countries, you can see that the structure doesn't get what I normally call is explode. Yeah, that suddenly have to hiring like a hundred people to be able to run that much. Um, yeah, but still having a very good team that I can be selectively choosing the best people uh, to continue to grow and building up that sort of structure. So that's when I what I meant the lean structure rather yeah. than the hiring like so like a lot of people for for channel specific. I like that. So we've been talking a bit about this um, bits and, and pieces, but I think a big reason to your success is also like, uh, I mean, you're saying that you were helping to teach people and so forth, and you really have a like a learning culture. Like, how do you create that? What has been the core foundations or tools or points for that? <laughs> in, in, the, in the beginning, it's, it's a lot about, the, and again, this may sound silly, but when even when we are a small team, it's about building up the process. And process can be as simple as saying that, okay, guys, um, what is the best practices? Let's host things like uh, once per week or once per every two weeks, a knowledge sharing session where people start to share, writing down what they have learned uh, about the best practices on the certain campaign in certain country. And then that person, that kind of material can also be circulated to other member in the team. Um, when the team was smaller, then of course, all of the onboarding is mostly done by me. So I spent mm-hmm. like the whole a few weeks or days with that new hire. Of course, like they getting to know other members in the team, having their buddy. But then I spend most of that time trying to onboarding them based on the current kind of onboarding process that we have. So, okay, what do you need to know about how to run Facebook? We have something already documented. So you can take a look. I try to run you through how do I run it? How do I build it? You run through uh, this kind of campaign shadowing with the other member in the team. So that's sort of the, the learning cultures that we we sort of build and so everyone can support each other. Of course, you're building up like a, a sort of a approach where people would actually do a lot of testing because for me, I, I really a big fan of testing. There's nothing wrong with spending 10, 10 thousand of dollars where you're accidentally trying a new bidding strategy or new content approach and things go south, the performance doesn't look so good during that week. No one's going to punish you. No. Um, the idea is that uh, the five things that I don't like is that you don't do anything. Yeah, You don't feel like you want to test something. You say that, okay, this has been something that I've been running, uh, the same setup that I've been running during the last 12 months. It used to work. I don't want to change this anymore. Then there's something wrong. So I would rather t- 
expect you to say that, okay, hey, I have tried this, I have tried that. So that's sort of the, and we try to let people to sharing that sort of the learning within the team. So when you are a smaller team, it's actually very easy. People talk a lot on Slack, uh, the sort of meeting or knowledge sharing session that you organize every two weeks or every week is something that people expect to because they can learn and see what the other team members are doing. Yeah. So you don't create like a, a Chinese war uh, within the team member where the knowledge is not being shared. That's not the culture that you build. The culture that you want to make sure from day one is that you can learn, you can listen, you can be the champion from a certain area and you can also share that knowledge with the other members in the team. Yeah, and there's no competition that my country is better than yours. Everybody in working hundred and fifty percent, two hundred percent. So there's nothing wrong with like if some is country A is better than country B. It's a matter of that if something that you need help with, just shout. Yeah, and everybody will be happy too. Uh, I like that. Another question I've been uh, thinking about because, as you said, uh, like one person ma- manage multiple markets. How do you decide which person manage which group of markets? Like. Do you take to similar markets or, or like how different are they from each other from your point of view and what you do? Um, so back then when the team was smaller, I didn't, um, I should have divided by regions. Uh, so let's say the northern regions, the southern regions and so on. Uh, but I chose not to do that because I would rather look at the way that the markets is. So let's say one person has to take care of five to six countries. You want to make sure that they... They don't have all of the heavy countries. And when I say heavy countries, based on the amount of investment that you need to put into, mm-hmm. the higher the investment, meaning that the more potentially campaign optimization that you have to do, mm-hmm. uh, the amount of communication that you have to deal with. So how much you need to keep a daily or weekly communication with the country team. Keep in mind that we are a global company. Mm-hmm. So even if you take care of five countries, your, uh, your colleague in that country is still sitting in a very different locations. Everyone yeah. having a different kind of working style, different kind of cultures. How do you want to work together? Um, so I want to balance it out by having, like everyone have a fair amount of country where it's not too heavy. Let's say yeah. if you have five countries and all of them demand like attention every day, all of them have a high budget, you mm-hmm. would probably driving that people yeah. uh, like completely exhausted. So balancing that out. So that's what happened in first year. When the team getting bigger, and that's when we, I started to think, okay, and now is the time for us to be able to building up a you know, regional structure. Mm. But it's only being done after one and a half years, mm, okay. actually. Interesting. But as you can see, hiring takes time. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do it at first. Uh, but back then, when the, when the original member, when they joined, everyone is so excited because they get to work with a mix of countries, yeah. or maybe two countries from Nordic, uh, one country from Central Europe, and another country from Southern Europe. Um, the kind of learning that they feel is that, hey, something that I have worked in in Finland, I can actually apply to country in the north, country in the south, country in the central. Yeah. So that's sort of like the sort of learning and excitement that they have uh, in that structure is, is really is really great. Um, but when the team getting bigger, then of course, uh, it's a bit sad for some of the members. Hey, I've been working with many countries from different kind of regions. I learned a lot. But now when the team getting bigger, it makes sense for us to split it into a region. Yeah. So one or two members would take care of the northern region, the other member would take care of the southern region. And that's when the regional structure has been emerged during the last one and a half years. Yeah. Uh, for us. And I have like a, a final question before we're gonna start wrapping things up. And like what have you learned from entering new markets? 
what have we learned from entering new market? Uh, oh, a lot of things. <laughs> and every every single every single country is different. I can tell you, uh, entering Japan and Germany, Japan is completely different from Germany, and it's completely different from entering, uh, let's say, Kazakhstan or Georgia. Mm. Um, but one thing that I learned is um, getting the right, um, and for a lot of the successful countries that we have seen, because I have been uh, I have been here for a lot of different country launch. Is that having having the right kind of goal uh, at first is important, and it's important for the marketing people. Which are not sitting just sitting there, and the first thing about launching a new country is you think about how many, um, how much money and budget I have. Yeah. The first thing that you should ask yourself is that, okay, what is the what is the setup? What is the, what the operation look like in that country? Um, for us, it's the delivery service. You should ask like, what is the delivery area? How big is the delivery area? How many restaurants are we going to have at launch? How long the would that be 20, 30, 40, 50? How many career do we have at launch? So it's have like putting yourself in the shoes of a country manager. Think about that. And then from there, you start to think, okay, how the structure look like? What kind of campaign? What kind of channel that would work? Um, would that be enough for us to actually building a bigger campaign to building awareness? But what if the delivery area is so small? Would that make sense for us to actually doing that sort of a uh, um, a 360 massive massive kind of campaign or would it make sense doing sort of a very tactical guerrilla kind of approach um, and for us online marketing has always been the first channel that we launch in every single new market but for that exact same reason the kind of message the kind of content the kind of budget is a lot depends on after we have done that sort of exercise sitting on the shoes of the country managers think about the operation then we think about what kind of marketing and strategy that we build. And I don't know, that's probably the biggest learning that I have. Like don't don't ever come first with like any country and using your like standard playbook of this is how much money you would need. Yeah. This is how much 360 I kind of campaign that I would do, but rather take a step back, think about that sort of operation size. Then you build up the campaign from the bottom. Yeah, I, I understand that. I, I can kind of, um, I draw a bit of parallel of starting, uh, since I'm a consultant, I'm working with new customers. I have like a, a sheet sheet of like 80 questions. Uh, I don't usually ask all of them, uh, but everything I need to know before, you know, starting to give any advice even, uh, just to kind of, yeah. you know, put myself in their uh, shoes. Um, so uh, I, I'll consider how I can use your approach even more with actually <laughs> entering their shoes. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, my my golden question in all interviews is, uh, what haven't I asked you about that I should have asked you about? Uh, well, uh, you already bring up to one of the most uh, and the things that I'm, I'm the most excited now, which is uh, the building the right foundation at Tech Startup. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot more about building up the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, a lot of the company, other company and startup which I have been working with, also having a question of would we be, how do I build a similar structure and marketing operation? How do I get started? Let's say, mm-hmm. and if I tell them like some best practice that I have on both, the people normally think that it's already a big country, a big company. Sorry, um, they have done, they have money, they have resources to do things like that. And my answer would always be that no, we started in a similar kind of sh- shoes and, and journey as you had. And everyone starts from somewhere. And for me, in order to, for us to get here, we start from the same kind of uh, journey. 
So I, I cannot uh, help but emphasizing on it. Like always think about the building the right foundation, building the right kind of setup. But first, it's going to save you a lot in, in the long run. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to start uh, every time I get that question, I'm going to submit this podcast as a <laughs> as a first, you know, listen, listen to what he's saying and then we can talk. <laughs> uh, it's been amazing talking to you. I've learned so much. Uh, I'm going to share this episode with so many friends and uh, colleagues and everything. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, attending and uh, sharing your experience and all your knowledge. You're welcome. And the honor is mine. And it has been a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, again, it's been amazing to also talk about all of this. And I also feel that there's a lot of things that we have been discussed that I that I also feel like, hey, it's, it's been a good journey that maybe it's good for, for me to also speak about. So thank you for this opportunity. Thanks for listening in to our podcast, Winning in the Nordics, presented by AppsFlyer. You know where to find us. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple, Google, Spotify and all good podcast apps.